This is the Marriage Bites Podcast, episode 71, Money, Yours, Mine, and Ours. We're in 2024, can you believe it? I can. I'm hearing a lot of people talking about how 2023 was awful. It seemed like that was an awful year for a lot of people. It got awfuler too. I mean, it was hard for me in a lot of ways, but it was really good for me in a lot of ways too. I feel like I did a lot of growing and stretching in 2023. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of mind drama about this podcast in 2023. I'm just going to be honest. It is a lot of work to produce a podcast. It's a little more than I thought it was going to be, and I'm proud of it. Somebody told me today that 90-something percent of podcasters give up by episode 20. And we're on 71. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I really appreciated having that perspective because what the heck. I, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know like where you're at in the whole scheme of things, in the bigger picture. Because you're here working on your computer, doing your own thing, and it made me feel less dramatic about how things are going or shall I say how things are not going when it's not going the way I hoped it, it would. To say, I'm still here, we're still doing it, even if it's not turning out the way that I hoped. I guess then I would say, if you, listener, have something that you're like, this isn't working, it's not worth to keep going, sometimes it isn't, but sometimes find it in yourself to keep going and keep trying. Because even though it may not have turned out the way you expected now, it doesn't mean that you're not making progress in some way, even though you can't see the progress right now. Correct. Okay, so today we're talking about money. Blessed be the money. More money, more problems. Is that right? No, that is absolutely the opposite. Um, so money, we're talking about I feel like moolah. the beginning of the year is feels like a good time to talk about money because it's like fresh start. If you're talking about taxes, you know, the end of the year, you have a brand new year, brand new tax year, unless your taxes are different. But it's sort of like that fresh start that we talked about last January on the podcast. Can you hear the baby crying in the background? So, um, we're not talking about money goals exactly, so don't worry about that if that's what you're thinking. Interruptions throw me off. Totally. They throw me off too. So, what we want to do is talk about some common financial problems that we see, and maybe also talk a little bit about our story when it comes to where we started and where we are now when it comes to money. Well, I think money, the good reason to talk about it is because it comes up in almost every relationship out there, Mm -hmm. whether it's a marriage relationship or a non-marriage relationship, and it it has a potential to cause problems. If you don't know how to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Because the way that people do money is vast and different. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways a couple can do their money. Some things are tried and true, and... Some are traditional, mm-hmm. and some work, and some don't, and so that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. So let's talk about our story. We met in college, and neither of us really had any money at that point. You worked part-time, and I worked a little bit part-time, and we were in school, and we were both brought up in families where there was one bank account, or actually, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know how my parents manage money. They never talked to the kids about it. Now, my parents did talk to us about money, Uh both my mom and my dad. My dad especially, we grew up on a farm. My dad would talk about the farm budget all the time, Uh the money that was coming, the money that was going. And my mom would talk to us kids about 
how much money she had to spend and where she would spend it and all these things to make the household work. Mm-hmm. And so money was talked about greatly in my on my side of the family. Mm-hmm. And so I was never really scared of it. Uh-huh. And I, I understood how it worked. Yeah, but I think we were both uh, sort of modeled the frame where all the money goes into one account and then the couple decides how to spend it from there. Now, I know there's a lot of people who don't manage it that way and we will get to that. But, I mean, when we first got married, I thought, that's the only way. That is the way to manage money, right? Um, And we hardly had any, so it didn't really matter. It didn't really matter how we managed it because we had barely enough. We paid the rent, we bought the food, and hopefully we had enough at the end of the month to not starve, (laughs) to not go days without eating, which we never did, by the way. I think we had shared values of not going into debt, which was really useful for us, with the exception of maybe a vehicle or a house there's like big purchase items that we were both comfortable with uh, getting loans for but in general we both agreed that credit card debt was not what we wanted that it was better to wait until we had the money and then spend it on whatever the thing we wanted as good as that was for us it also created some issues for me because when we got married i had worked very part-time i was never fully on my own as an adult. We were pretty young. My dad was helping me pay for college. If I needed something, he would send me money a little bit here and there. You know, I was trying to take care of myself, but on a very part-time campus job, you really aren't making enough money to really fully support yourself. So I had never been on my own before we got married, which probably would have been helpful if I had. But anyway, so we got married and We just opened a bank account and then because I had never really had money of my own to speak of, besides whatever I bought groceries with or whatever, the money that you earned didn't feel like mine. It felt like, okay, we can use it for food because that's for both of us. We can use it for rent because that needs to be paid. We can use it for utilities, the regular bills. But when it came to buying things for myself, I felt really guilty. Guilt is not the right word for it, but I felt like it wasn't allowed, like I was breaking some kind of rules or something. Well, on my side of it is I was taught this way and I what I believed is that, yeah, I'm, I make money, but it's our money. And so I never had a problem with that way of thinking because it's our money. Mm-hmm. And so I know later in our marriage, you brought that up multiple times as being a problem and I, it was really hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to ask you for permission before buying things. And this was a me problem much more than it was a him problem. This was the way I was thinking about money. I wasn't like owning it as really mine to spend. It was like, we have to, well, even this, if it's our money, then we have to both decide on what it gets spent on. I can't just go buy a shirt if I want one. I can't just go buy a pair of shoes if I feel like I need one. I felt like I had to ask for permission from you for everything. That was not great. That was not a fun way to live. No, and it, I I get that because that's like being stuck in childhood. Yes. Being a child instead yeah. of an adult. Yeah. Plus, you being the one who earned it, I wanted to respect your time and effort that you that you took to earn it to bring it into the family. And we both grew up in a very conservative religious um, environment where the tradition is the man makes the money and the woman stays home and raises the kids. 
and you can't have it all. You can't have a job and be a good mom and kind of all of that messaging, which is not true, by the way. But I was like, well, I'm not supposed to make money. I'm supposed to just be supported by him. But I mean, this is how ridiculous it was where I was like, if I bought this thing that costs $20 and he makes $6 an hour, how many hours would he have to work in order to buy this thing? And is that really worth it? You know, and it was like twisted, weird. I don't know where I got that from. Uh, but it was really hard for me to take care of myself and to feel autonomous and to be, feel empowered because it was like I always had to ask you for permission before doing anything with money. Because, you know, as a couple, you're united now and you have to talk to each other. And I didn't know where the boundary line was of like what's okay and what's too much to spend. You know, I didn't want to spend so much that we ran out of money because we weren't very good at budgeting back then. So I was both, instead I just said, okay, I just won't buy anything. Well, I, I kept a running tally in my head. Which doesn't work when you have a partner who doesn't see that running tally in your head. We've had this discussion before. <laughs> we, we have. It was, it was funny. And so maybe you'd check the bank account, call the number, because we had to call the bank back at that time, back way back 100 years ago. On a landline. You had to call... <laughs> Call the bank on the landline, find out what the balance was. And if we had money, then okay, maybe we can. Or maybe at the end of the month, if we have money left over, then we can get this thing. And I just felt really disempowered. So one way to really help with this is to have a dollar amount above which you will confer with each other about this purchase. And below that, just it's fine. If it's an 88 cent pack of gum, no one's going to be like, what, you bought gum without asking me first? Like that wouldn't be, you know really great. But if it was like, I mean, back then, $50 or $100 would have felt like a lot of money. And if you had gone out and just bought some $500 or more thing without like running it by me or making sure that we could afford it, that would have made me feel really insecure. Um, so based on your circumstances, the two of you can sit down and say anything over X dollars, we'll talk to each other about before we purchase. Anything below that, you use your good judgment and that's a really good way to set a boundary that the two of you can agree on and then it kind of solves this issue of like well is it okay or is it not okay if I buy this thing there's another way that people sometimes will manage this and it's having one joint account that all of the family bills and the food and the medical and all the stuff comes out of and then each of you has a separate account that you can do whatever you want with. so if you look in your account and you, the money is there for the thing that you want, fine, go for it. And you get to spend that money however you want. And you don't have to talk with your spouse about that. And that's another way of, of handling that. Well, I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of different ways couples can work out their finances. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our way of doing it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. But right. it's the right way for us. And mm -hmm. you listen to people out there who preach financial uh, stuff with couples. Um, there's a few big names out there. One of them's on the radio. Um, he and his daughter and some of his people have some really good ideas and, and they, they definitely work, uh, and they're not bad. Um, there's more than one way to skin that cat though, mm -hmm. meaning there's more than one way to, that couples can figure out their finances. You go, what you got to do is find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. Now, if what works for you is we're okay with going into massive debt, I say that probably never works ever. Mm -hmm. Um, there's certain, there's certain principles that I think in my opinion shouldn't be violated going into massive debt for non-durable goods. Um, a car and a house is a durable good, mm -hmm. right? And so 
if you want to go into massive debt for furniture, it's probably not the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But it might be for your case. Mm-hmm. Or going into massive debt for something other, you know, something else, you know. Food, stuff that is consumable. Yeah. What I think with us is we didn't talk about it for years. Yeah. And finally, I believe you came to me and was like, this isn't working. I don't know what's going on with the finances. And we had a few good arguments about it. But what you said made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And finally, we decided to try out a certain thing, and mm-hmm. we're still using that format today, and it seems to work pretty good. It's kind of old school, but it works for it us. It is. We do a monthly budget, and we allot money to various things, mm-hmm. and those various things cover our expenses, mm-hmm. and it actually works out pretty good. The one account version of this works for us because we are largely a single income family. There's what your income is the bulk of what we bring in and I bring in a little bit here and there and there's probably more I could say about that but maybe I'll hold that either for later on or for another episode and so I think it's a lot different if there's a two income family and the income split is closer to 50 50 or maybe 60 40 or something and so that would be a lot different because of the arrangement and so we know what we know we know what works for us but we also like we said, understand that different things work for different people. But what I really want to get to is that the whole mindset of like, well, we don't have enough money or we can't afford that. One thing that I really ran into is when I wanted something and I asked for your permission, you know, in air quotes, a lot of times you would say, well, we can't really afford that right now. And and so my pattern was, see, and this, this is from my growing up, I think, is that I would ask for things and my parents would say no. And eventually I just stopped asking. But I would see you feeling a lot more free with spending money. And so you would, you know, buy things when you needed to, whatever, just go buy a pair of pants or whatever. And you seemed to feel a lot more free with spending money. And I attributed that to the idea that you thought it was yours too. And so you felt, well, I earned this money and I need a thing. So I'm justified in getting what I need when I need it, which is fine. It works. But the problem was if we had one pot and nothing was really earmarked for anything, I felt like I had to spend less to make up for your spending. So when you would go and buy stuff, I don't think you understood this is what was happening for me. And I don't think I even really understood it until uh, I was looking back at it either. But you would buy things that were not like necessities for the house sometimes. And then I would use that to mean, well, I guess now I can't spend anything because if I do, if I said, okay, well, you just spent $50 on this, I'm going to go spend $50 on that. Like that would compound the problem. And so I solved the problem by spending less by, you know, not getting that haircut that I wanted or that pair of shoes or whatever. And this was very disempowering for me, but I didn't have the words to articulate, but I blamed you for my feeling of disempowerment because of course when you buy stuff and then I can't of course it's your fault because you're the one spending money without a budget or whatever but what I didn't understand until a lot later was that this was a me problem this was my ideas that I wasn't really articulating well to you that were keeping me in this disempowered position which because it was what I was used to was where I felt safe which is why I didn't speak up sooner and say wait this isn't working isn't good well with you not speaking up 
I thought you were good with the way things were going. Mm-hmm. But you're right that I got blamed for things and you would come down on me, but it's like, I didn't know you were feeling this way. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But once I finally stood up for myself a little bit and, you know, said this way of doing things where it's just a running telly in your head and you have it all planned out, but you're not sharing that with me, is no longer working. And so I kind of had to insist that we sit down and put it out on paper and write down our budget because you were really resistant to that because you were like, no, it's fine. Like we don't overdraft. We don't have debt. What's the big problem? Here? Right. And the way, the way I was looking at it as, well, this has worked for the last, you know, decade or so. And why change something that's working? Mm-hmm. Um, but over, I would say a short period of time and us talking about it and maybe fighting about it a little bit, I started to see that, okay, maybe there's something to what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something we could look into. And I remember where the thing that, that got me is you said, well, every month we'll be putting money toward you get some money and I get some money to blow on whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, that sounds pretty dang good. Yeah. It was like an incentive. And so I'm like, heck yeah, I can save up some money and buy some serious stuff mm-hmm. or do what I want with it. And, and it's really been good. And so we did that and it's, it's worked out. Mm-hmm. I think what also helped is when I showed you that I might not be bringing dollars in, but think about what I'm doing that allows you to go and earn the dollars. If I weren't here, who would be doing all the laundry and who would be doing the childcare and who would be... And I, and I brought that up to you. We did talk about multiple that. Multiple times. And again, partly that was you and partly that was my mindset that because of the general messaging of society that says the person that makes the money is the one who's a little bit more important than the people who don't make the money. And for a long time, I kind of lived under that. Well, he's a little bit more important because without his income, we'd be on the streets. And I didn't value myself and my contribution to the family for a long time. And then I realized, wait, I do contribute a lot to this family. I don't contribute financially, but my contributions are pretty, pretty important too. And once I realized that, I was like, wait, you know, I do deserve to have a haircut when I need one. Yeah. Or I do deserve to go out with friends those, or whatever. And those are things that I, I would bring up. Mm-hmm. Because we did have some arguments and conversations about, you say, well, you're more important because you make the money. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, this is our money and you are contributing by the things you're doing at the home. You're making dinners instead of eating out. You're taking care of the kids instead of paying for childcare. Mm-hmm. I said, we are working together as a team, but based on, I think, your programming is you didn't see mm-hmm. you didn't see that you were contributing. And I think over time, I you did, eventually did. Yeah, I, I wasn't valuing my contribution to the family the same way I was valuing your contribution. Mm-hmm. But that said, you were also doing things that sent the message that you thought you were more important too. As in, hey, honey... I'm going to go do this thing. Bye. I bought this thing, just so you know. And you didn't check with me the same way that I checked with you, which sent the message that you believed that you could just go and make these decisions by yourself and you didn't have to check with me. I was a pretty special guy. (laughs) I I, I think, well, and you're you're right. I think um, we've talked about this quite a bit, is that in our younger years together, I definitely had some immaturities when it came to that. Uh, It was nothing for me to be like, Hey, some of the guys at work want to go do this. So I'm going to go do it. Over time and as I've matured, I've realized that was mm-hmm. not super good. And I haven't done stuff like that. In, oh, yeah. In that a was long, a long, long time, time ago. 
But you could see why somebody acting that way would reinforce the beliefs that I Absolutely. had that I wasn't, we were equals, but I was just a little bit less equal than you, right. you know? And so it did take, you know, a lot of work and a lot of really changing and examining beliefs and really digging into where does this belief come from? Is it actually mine or is it actually yours? Or how do we own our own part in this dynamic that had been set up? And then how do we change it? Where do we go from here? Because like you said, we'd been doing it this way for a good decade at least. And so sometimes when you're like rebuilding something, you're like, but what do we do instead? Sometimes we know what doesn't work, but we don't exactly know what works better, what to do instead. So it did take us some work and um, really discovery for both of us to realize, okay, how does this work instead? And we tried a budget and it was a little bit of a disaster at first. And so we had to keep trying and keep trying. And there were days when I was like, is this work even worth it? Do we really want to do this? Is this even working? Where I was like, maybe we should just go back to doing it the old way. But then I was like, no, because then I get the short end of the stick, basically. And I think our listeners, if, if I want them to take one thing from this is that you as a couple, you need to be talking about these things and talking and listening and really looking at how your partner is feeling about these things and to really ask yourself, is there validity to what they're saying? If there's not, then you need to talk about that. Maybe maybe the things aren't valid, but maybe they are. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I can speak that some of the things you would say, I was like, that's stupid. And I wasn't mm-hmm. taking it serious, but as I thought about it more, I'm like, okay, there's validity to that. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes after an argument, I'm sure you thought, there's no way he's listening to me about this. But I did listen. Mm-hmm. And I would think about it on mm-hmm. our off time from fighting about it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's fighting times and then there's off time, you know, off season. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I was, you know, we were able to re-engage and talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think things have really gotten better. So I think for our listeners... I think that's the big thing to take from this is that you got to communicate, mm-hmm. listen and, and hear what the other person's saying. And then if there needs to be a change, make a change. Like, like we've said earlier is that there's a lot of different ways that couples can do their finances. Um, not just one way. But the beliefs behind it is what's important. The reason why you're setting it up that way is way more important than what it is you're actually doing. Well, I think as you convey your, as you talk to each other and communicate, you are conveying those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And because I say beliefs and feelings, maybe mm-hmm. because there's so many things that come into play when you talk and you express those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helped me realize how much fear I had around money, fear of running out. And I don't know, maybe fear of running out of money is going to be a thing that my brain does for the rest of my life. It may be something that I never actually get totally over. This like fear of spending money because in case we might run out. It just might be a demon that I battle the rest of my life. I don't know. Learning how to manage money from a different place than fear was what made the difference for me. It's not about like, oh, well now you get $20 a month and now I, like that's all just minutia. What really matters was changing the way I thought about money and changing the way I thought about myself in order to advocate for something that was not only better for me, but also that was better for you. And I was finally able to articulate that to you. Like, look, if we do a budget, we will have enough money for the things that you want and for the things that I want, then we can both get what we want. And I think that was the thing that made you go, 
oh, yeah, okay, we can do a budget. I don't think you saw the unfairness of the way we were spending money that you got a lot more of what you wanted than what I did. I blamed you for that, but I also had myself to blame for not standing up and asking, which was, like I said, from my childhood days. One other thing that really worked well for us is that when we had our, what we called personal allowance, whatever we called it, when we gave ourselves personal money to spend, we can spend it on whatever we want, and we decided no comments about what the other spends their money on. That took a little bit of practice on your part. <laughs> because I remember, and that's the thing, is if, if, if a couple's going to make that, they have to really mean it, because we did do that, and there was... A few times when you're like, you're spending all this money on this thing when really we have these other things you need to pay for. And I'm like, hold on. And I had to remind you that no, mm -hmm. this money, we said we are setting it aside for whatever, like I'm doing with it what I want. And I did not feel bad about that because we had made that and I, yeah. I kind of had to hold your feet to the fire on that one. Because I was in such a habit of judging everything you spent money on, yeah. you know, because that was just where I was at at the time. But luckily I've grown out of that and... When you have money that you've saved up from our monthly budget or whatever, I don't really don't care where you spend it on anymore. Like, I've, I'm good. I've gotten over that. Yeah, and I think I think the thing is, is once we did do this budget thing and figured it out, uh, it took some practice to settle our feelings down about things. Mm -hmm. We've had to kind of settle down and not have so much anxiety about things because it was a transition. Yeah. I think, I think we're doing pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime you try to start something new, most every time there's going to be a little bit of nervous system activation about it. Like, oh, is this safe? Is this okay? Mm -hmm. Because your limbic brain wants habits. It wants the same thing. It wants predictable. When your higher brain comes in and says, oh, we're going to do something new, expect the limbic brain to freak out a little bit. Yeah. I guess what I think, we talk a lot about the limbic brain on this podcast. We've talked a lot about uh, childhood and childhood programming. I really think we need to punch those things in the face. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> You're so weird. Because they keep causing problems if we just punch them in the face and kick them out of our lives. I mean, right? Wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? Yeah, it would be super duper. So, what else do we have? That's all we got. Um, just a quick run around the block. Yeah. So, when you're done listening to this, if you are having a hard time talking with your spouse about money, this is your invitation to open up this conversation. It's really important to own your part of it, to say, you know, I know I haven't you know, been perfect about this either, but I'm not blaming you, I'm not blaming me. Let's just look at what's going on and say, what else could we do? How could we improve this? So that we both can have more of what we want. And that is the whole point. It's funny how communication keeps popping its head up. Well, that's what is there besides communication when you're talking about a relationship between two people. It all pretty much comes back, comes down to communication. I was going to say sex. Okay, that too. Well, sex is a way of communicating, right? Heck yeah, it is. Communicating through the physical body rather than through the speaking words. Yeah. I hope our moms aren't listening to this. I know. They might be horrified. <laughs> they might be totally horrified. Sex is a four-letter word. <laughs> totally. Yeah, S-E-X-X. -X. <laughs> Or is it S-E-X exclamation point? Oh, uh, Punctuation, does it count No, as a it doesn't letter? count. It's a character, but it doesn't count as a letter. Oh, that's bullcrap. That's something we're going to have to talk to somebody about. <laughs> I got nothing else. All right. Uh, we will be back 
with another episode for you next week. Enjoy and let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about or if you have any questions about anything that we've said. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Marriage Bites podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, share it with your friend. Do you feel like the fun and adventure you used to have has been crowded out by work, kids, and just life in general? I have put together 24 super fun date night ideas that will have you laughing and connecting in 20 minutes or less. So head over to andalynprice.com to get a whole bunch of easy and free date ideas. You'll be amazed at how a little bit of play can have you laughing and connecting in no time. Babysitter not required. I got some Star Trek into the episode. When? I don't want to say it now because you might cut it out. I always get your Star Trek references. Oh, I made this one so much subtler. Not subtler. Is that even a word? Mm, no. I'll give you a hint though. It's in like the first 10 minutes of it. Okay, I'm going to listen for I it when done, I hear it. I am done. Yeah, if somebody catches it, let me know. Only true Trekkies will catch it. <laughs> oh, got my serious okay. face on now. Serious. That's going to last like 13 seconds and then you're going to be... Okay. Oh, I had a thought in it. I'm going to give me a second so I can get it back. It was like a thought that came for a second and then it left.